You're locked on to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson here. Coming up on today's show, yesterday was a media Monday. They do press conferences on Monday with the players and coaches so that they can get out of the way early, get back to work, and get ready for next week. And it's our first chance to get inside the head of P.J. Fleck after he's had a chance to look over some film, think about things, get a little bit more in-depth than just that post-game press conference when you're really just getting those first reactions from coaches and players. Also, Locked On has been kind enough to grant us a subscription to Pro Football Focus's college version with all sorts of insane stats and rankings and things like that. We're going to play around with it for the first time today later on in the show. Look into that gopher offense on Friday against Iowa. What went wrong and what can they do to fix things going forward? A little bit of an offense of Tanner Morgan and maybe I guess in turn Mike Sanford Jr. too coming up when we talk about that. But first, again, this is the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. You give us half an hour every weekday. We're going to give you everything you need to know about what went down with the Gophers while you were away. So let's take a look at just that, anything you might have missed over the course of the last day going on with this university. First off, some uh, bigger around the country news. The NCAA tournament, it was announced yesterday, will be held in one location this year. It, it of course, takes away from a big, big tradition of having all these regionals and places and being able to do all sorts of stuff around the country with these teams. But, of course, it'll be better to keep everyone safe and also make sure that you can get that tournament finished if you do start it, too. It does mean, though, for Minnesota that they lose the Midwest Regional. Minneapolis was set to host Elite Eight and Sweet 16 games this spring. That will no longer be the case. Terms are being agreed upon, I believe, between the NCAA and Indianapolis to get a job done, or at least they're talking. I don't know if anything's official yet. Elsewhere in Gopher basketball, the Minnesota Gophers have announced the team captains for this year. It is senior Eric Curry and then juniors Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalsher. Those three are going to try to lead the Gophers into what will, as we have saw yesterday with the NCAA tournament announcement, surely be a different season in a whole bunch of different ways as the Gophers try to bounce back from a tough season last year that, well, it did come to an end short, but I don't think anyone was putting the Gophers in the tournament without a few more Big Ten tournament wins when things did get cut off. Also, happy birthday to strength and conditioning coach Steve Feldy of the men's basketball team. Gophers tweeted that one out yesterday. Hope he has a good one yesterday, or did have a good one yesterday, I should say. In WCHA news, the association picked the Badgers just barely over the Gophers in women's hockey to win the Big Ten. Wisconsin getting that top vote with four first-place votes. Minnesota got the other three. And finally, Gophers men's hockey is adding some nice throwbacks for its 100th season. I got to take a look at a picture, and if you have a Twitter account, head on over to the Gophers Hockey's Twitter page to take a look at those jerseys and really get to see. I, I, I think they're pretty nice. I don't know. Everyone has different opinions on all these things, but I think they look good. That's everything that's going on with the Gophers right now. We'll get into everything that PJ Flex said in his Monday press conference in just a minute. But first... I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the season for this Minnesota football team. Now, I've been wondering, trying to figure out, ever since the loss against Iowa, what is there to play for for this team still? Like, yeah, they're still going to go out there and give it 100% every single game day, but I'm talking about in the weeks in between. Like, when you're in the workout room and you're thinking about the next game, and you're thinking about what it means for the season, what's making you give that extra, like, 10%, you know? that extra go at it that really has you thinking about it all the time. Because going into the Iowa game, there was still hope, at least for the Gophers, 
to get yourself to Indianapolis. If the Badgers ended up not being able to play another game and wasn't eligible, Minnesota you could see very easily with still Northwestern and Purdue ahead on the schedule win out all of those. The fact that your two losses were on the opposite side of the conference really, really helps you. And you might be able to, if everything falls your way, get yourself into the Big Ten championship game in a season when you didn't think it was possible at all. You go into Iowa with that hope. But after what happened on Friday night, and especially with the way that it happened too, with the defense continuing to show little to no improvement, and then the offense falling for the first time this season too, it wasn't even just that the team didn't have Big Ten tournament hopes anymore. You were wondering, is this team going to be any good in the near future? Like, not this year, but next year. Can this team be any better? Are there going to be hopes of this team to be good in two years? Like, that's not something that's out of the question to ask, given what we've seen this season from this football team. It's been such a steep, steep fall from when we started this season with the Minnesota Gophers that the fact that you went into Friday's game with still that little bit of hope that you could get to that original goal of getting to Indianapolis and playing in the Big Ten championship game That was something that was really, really driving, I think, a lot of fans to stay interested, to stay motivated, and stay excited, too. Now, what do we have to root for here? Well, I would say that I think the trophies are one thing. And this is something that I didn't really think I would have the opinion on until we got to this point. I guess I wouldn't be able to see it. But before, I thought that the amount of trophies that the Minnesota Gophers play for is kind of ridiculous. I'm under the belief that, like, if you have too many trophies to try and get, it devalues each one of those trophies. Like, obviously, more, some are more important than the others. The axe and the pig are big, I know, but, like, I don't know if I really care about the little brown jug, you know? And in the same way, like, when those games are coming up on the game weeks for Michigan, I'm not as excited about it as I am for game week for Iowa or Wisconsin. It doesn't get me going in the same way, right? Like, Michigan isn't a rivalry in the same way that those other games are. So I kind of, like, feel like the little brown jug just takes away from the value of the things like the axe. And maybe I just don't get it. I'm not a born and raised Minnesota football fan, so I don't know. Maybe there's something I'm missing, but I don't know. I I think I'm right about that. But it does give you something to play for now. This team's 1-3. It's not going to a Big Ten championship game. It's going to struggle to get to 500, it looks like, right now. But you still have something to go hard for. You still have something in to get those extra reps in when those players are getting ready to face off against the Wisconsins of the world. There's a whole lot on the line in those games. And I do think that the fact that those trophies and those quote-unquote rivalries, even though I don't think some of them are quite as big as rivalries as others, at least you have that. And you have something that if you win the game, you can go over to the corner of the field and lift up over your head and say, hey, we were the champions of this thing this year. I do think that matters. Maybe it's a little bit cheesy. But I think it's something that makes these players motivated, especially for the big ones. Like Wisconsin's coming up. That's going to be a game that no matter how the rest of the season is gone, the Gophers are going to get up and get ready for And then also the other thing you can really just try and hope for if you're a Gopher fan or player is to look out for the improvement. That's something that P.J. Fleck will talk about in the next segment when we break down his press conference from yesterday. It's just one of those things that you got to play for now is trying to get better. And again, in a moment, we will break down everything from P.J. Fleck's press conference on a Monday. But first, 
if you need to chill out, and maybe some of these Gophers coaches over the course of the weekend do need to chill out after all the film work that they've done, you go to the beer that's literally made to chill. A Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged as well. It's literally made to chill, as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to chill. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in its new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, while Coors Light may be able to help you chill out, at some points during the day, you need that extra boost of energy, whether it be getting to work in the morning or getting to the gym after work or before work if you're one of those morning gym people. I can't do it. Built Bar is the place for you to go. Now I know what you're thinking. If I'm a gym rat already, I've heard all the protein shakes and bars and powders and stuff like that that you can do to get your workout right. But the difference with Built Bar is that along with all that protein and good stuff too, you're getting a really good taste as well. They come in outstanding flavors like original flavors, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut, peanut butter brownie, or new flavors that they're adding all the time like lemon almond cheesecake. Cherry Barcia, with a little play on words there. Cookies and cream as well. It's a protein bar that gets you everything you need to get through the workday or your workout, while also allowing you to get something that tastes good too. Because come on, it's 2020. We're in the pandemic, but we're also in the future, it seems. Let's get to a point where we can get some protein that tastes good as well. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Another one of those things with some of those protein bars that crunch. I just don't like it when it comes to like my candy bar kind of stuff. But Built Bars are healthy as well, despite having that soft texture and that chocolate on it. You're getting low calories, less than 200 all the time, at some points as low as 130 calories per bar, while also packing in protein, 17, 18, even 19 grams, and low sugar, low carbs, 5 grams or less of both of those when you're eating a Built Bar. Also, right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up next, we're going to break down what P.J. Flex said back on Monday on his press conference to start the week. Then later on, we're breaking down pro football focuses grades of the Gophers from Friday night. That's coming up right here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. I'm Nate Dickinson. Hello, everyone. Nate Dickinson here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about what P.J. Fleck had to say on Monday. Again, Monday, the time when coaches get their first chance to talk to the media after looking over the film and everything. It's a reason why I like to go over everything that they say at that beginning of the week press conference. So we'll dive into a little bit of it right now. A reminder, coming up later on in the show, we're going to break down some things from Pro Football Focus. As we've got some grades in and have gotten access to a membership over there to their college section. So... We'll at least break down everything from the loss to Iowa and take a little bit of a look at why that offense was so bad. That's coming up in just a little while. Right now, though, let's break down that press conference and see what P.J. Fleck had to say on Monday. Well, right off the bat, he said that this is his responsibility, what happened against Iowa. There's too much inconsistency within his team. And it's funny because he also mentioned some other things that really don't fall on him, but... Again, if this is something we're going to continue to do on Mondays, go over these press conferences, there is going to be a lot of this from P.J. Fleck. He's the kind of guy who is always going to have his players' backs, no matter what, no matter how bad it gets. 
P.J. Fleck will always shoulder the blame from the media 100% of the time over putting any of it on his players. Some coaches are like that. They're always going to be the guy to say, hey, this is my fault. Don't put this on the players. I got to do better. Other coaches are the exact opposite. They'll go at their players every single time. And there's a whole lot of different ways that players react to those different kind of things too. But P.J. Fleck is always going to be a guy that when it comes to blame for something or when you ask about what went wrong, He'll always, at least whenever he can, try to make it so that he can take as much of the blame as possible. Even if it's something about like tackling or something like that, he'll say, yeah, we didn't tackle, but that's something that's my fault. I got to be better at that. I got to be a better coach than that. I expect better out of myself than that. Stuff like that. He's always going to be that kind of guy, and he starts off with that again here on Monday. He did mention too much inconsistency and not enough attention to detail. He brought up penalties and drops, things that were big for the Gophers on Friday. At least that's what was asked about. And honestly, those aren't things that are really his fault. I mean, the penalties maybe you could put on him a bit. But as far as the actual play calling goes and whether your scheme is working or not, those aren't on him. Yeah, maybe he could be working these guys a little bit harder in practice to try to make sure that they're ready and not giving up those penalties or dropping those passes. But honestly... In the course of a game, unless it becomes a recurring thing, which, as we'll explain when we take a look at some of the grades, it was something that was bad on Friday, but has not been a recurring thing yet. Unless it becomes something that happens over and over and over, it's not really something that falls on P.J. Fleck, at least not in my opinion. It seems like that's something that falls on the players. But again, P.J. Fleck's always going to be that guy who will take the blame off his players as much as possible. And I feel like the players at least really do respect that. Moving on. He brings up that there are a lot of people who haven't played. He also backs that up right after, though, by saying that's not an excuse. And I disagree. It is an excuse. But the thing is that it's an excuse that I know that he thinks, or at least I, I think he thinks, knows that it's the same one that he's been using throughout the entire season. That doesn't make it a bad excuse. It's still true. He's not lying to anybody. It, it still is fact the fact that there hasn't been anybody out there who's really played any big, big time in college football yet. And I do think he's getting tired of saying the same thing over and over and over. Because, well, the media wants, obviously, a different answer every time. They don't want to hear tackling again. They don't want to hear inexperienced players again. That is the case. Because this isn't something that happens overnight when it comes to getting a defense better. I think the internal expectation is to get better. He, he said, and this is a quote I actually pulled out right away, that you have to take it for exactly what it is. I believe the question was being asked about the kind of setback that the team is just facing overall in general. He said, you take it exactly for what it is. So I don't think this is a team right now that P.J. Fleck is anymore saying that, all right, this is a team that's going to get better by next Friday. Or it's going to be where it was by next week, you know? I think he's now in the mode where he's thinking, how do we get things back on track here? Because they are officially now off the rails. And when he says something like that, that you got to take it for exactly what it is, that's at least what I take away from it. The idea that this team is no longer the team that won 11 games last year. He went down a whole lot of those statistics too. How it was 100 and so, however many years, 20-something years, since the last time Minnesota had won 11 games in a football season or whatever it was. I don't know the exact stat about that, but he brought up all that kind of stuff about how hard it is to be this successful. And he's right. We've talked about that too. But at the same time, 
it is the same exact excuse every time, and it's still the right one. The P.J. Fleck, I just think, is getting a little bit tired of having to make it, and he wants this team to get better, but he's accepting, I think, that it's not going to happen overnight. He also said that in the Big Ten, you have to have a dominant defense to win with the way that Minnesota plays in particular, and just the way that the Big Ten plays in general. I don't know if he meant just the Big Ten or the team itself when he said it, but I do think that he brings up a really good point here. Because while the Gophers' offense has been still pretty good up until Iowa, it's the defense, really, that is lacked behind. And when you're playing in a Big Ten in which the weather gets cold, and especially when you're starting the season later, the weather gets really, really cold. When you're playing in that kind of an environment, points get harder to come by. So the better your defense is at avoiding the kind of big plays the Gophers have been giving up so far this year, those kinds of point-scoring outputs that other teams have been able to put up against Minnesota, as long as Minnesota's defense is that bad, the other team's just going to get points easier. If the defense was a little bit better, it would be able to keep a team in a game so much longer just because of exactly those outside elements. The fact that even if there's no fans in the stands, you still got to deal with Mother Nature out there. And going up to Wisconsin later this season is, I would imagine, going to be a more low-scoring game. But if the Gophers' defense is still going to give up 20, 25 points in a game in which Wisconsin still has to run the ball all game because it's snowing all over the place, that's not going to be enough to win. Because Minnesota's offense is good, but it showed on Friday that it's not great. What would the Gophers be in, like, the Big 12? I don't know. Defense would still probably be just as bad. But if that offense had ideal conditions every time, would it be able to put up numbers that makes this a 500 team at least? I don't know. I really don't. But I do think that the Big Ten at least, as P.J. Fleck pointed out, and I think it's one of the better points he made during his press conference, I do think that he really, really does think the Big Ten is hurting how much this team might be taking a beating right now. Because if this team can't defend, when you need to be able to keep a game close, because you don't know when you're going to be able to score in those deep, deep winter games. This could be one of the reasons why later on, when things get really, really hectic in this season, as far as the weather goes, Minnesota might lose some games in which the defense isn't even giving up that many points just because the offense still can't keep up. That's what it's been. Up until Iowa, which was just a blowout, the offense was putting up decent points, but Michigan scored 49. Maryland scored 45. Iowa puts up 35. There's no signs of stopping anybody. And I don't think that gets any better as the weather gets colder. Only other things I mentioned from, uh, or at least I mean pulled out of what P.J. Fleck mentioned in his press conference was that he brought up that he feels like he has to peel back the onion with this team and see how good these players really are. And it feels like he doesn't like that bad-mouthing that some people are giving some of these players. Because he did get a little bit worked up when he was talking about that, too. He says the people have to be able to see how good these players really are because I do feel like he hears some of the criticism on how good these players can be. He's pointed out, again, that they're just inexperienced. But you got to wait to see how good they will become later on. Because, again, seven freshmen are playing on this team right now. And I do think that him reiterating that kind of fact just supports more the idea that he's getting kind of I wouldn't say upset, but just kind of annoyed with how often he has to explain that this is a young football team. 
One point that I do want to end with here before we get into the pro football focus breakdown next segment. He did say that the team needs to make up for, when asked about it, a lack of physicality with these young players in other areas. And this is something that I think was a little bit more of a deeper dive, something more than just, well, the guys are young, that I was able to take away that I thought was really good. He he mentioned how somebody had asked, uh, how can this team win, I think it was, with how much of a lack of physicality it has compared to the guys who have, well, juniors and seniors, seniors playing in most spots. And he said that, well, the team definitely doesn't have that kind of physicality yet. These guys are just fresh out of high school right now, you have to remember, and aren't all in college football playing shape. He says that the team has to make up for that in other areas by just being sound in the play calling, working together as a team, especially on that defense, because if all the buttons are at least working in the right way for the defense, like everyone's where they're supposed to be, you can make up for a lot of what you might lack in size and strength by being just sound as a defense, which is something this defense has been far from either, too. But if they can get better at that, I think that's what P.J. Fleck is talking about. If this team can get itself used to what it's doing on defense, get into that familiarity where like, you don't even have to look at where the safety is behind you. You know where he's going to be. That's one of those things that just takes reps, but it can be done more quickly than that other side of getting them to the kind of strength and conditioning level that a junior and senior athlete's at. That's one of the things I think P.J. Fleck is really, really going into these next couple of weeks, wanting to emphasize just as a head coach when he's talking to these players. Because they aren't going to get bigger than everybody else overnight. They can get just as smart as everybody else. And I think that's something that at least P.J. Fleck is really, really wanting to value right now because nothing else is working. Back here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're wrapping things up here, but I'm ending on something that I'm really, really excited to get to. Now, I, I like stats. I'm a big stats guy, but I, I'm not in love with stats. I'll look up everything and I try to understand all the newer stuff and what's going on. But as much as I am a stats guy and I like stats, I love the stats that I can't understand. I will blindly accept whatever you can throw at me. Just give me some idea what it means and then I'll be like, oh, well, this is what it means. This is it. This is the future. This is what it's all about. And and now this is not exactly what pro football focus is. They've got all sorts of proven records behind them and reason for you to believe that they're doing good stuff over there. People trust them. And we have gotten our hands on a subscription into their college section so we can take a look at exactly how some of the Gophers graded out on Friday night. And we're going to do that just now. I want to focus on this offense for this. Because it's no secret that the Minnesota defense has been bad. It's been bad all year, and we kind of know why it's been bad as well. You don't need a pro football focus subscription to be able to see it out there on the field. This defense is allowing anything it want, anything an opposing wanting, a team wants to on the ground. And at some points, the passing game has been pretty easy for anyone playing the Gophers too. But what I want to look at with this offense is how did Iowa exactly beat the Gophers? And beat them in such a convincing way. Because while this offense has been really good so far this season, it didn't do anything on Friday night. I mean, yeah, you can count those seven points the Gophers scored at the end of the game if you want to. But as Kirk Ferentz showed, it doesn't matter at all to him. He'll call three timeouts in a row just to 
mess with you. And he, you can still score that one to get within 28, P.J. Fleck. But anywho, that offense wasn't able to do anything on Friday night. And I want to know why. So I started and I took a look at the quarterback. But before we get to Tanner Morgan, I do want to take a little bit of a second to explain exactly how pro football focus works. Because I feel like a lot of people get that there's a 0 to 100 player grade for a whole bunch of different categories. But basically, it's supposed to break down your performance into one number. 0 through 100, and then 50 being right in the middle. But how does it get to that point? I want to explain it because it's maybe not exactly what you would think it is. What player, what PFF does, Pro Football Focus does, is it takes every single play of every single game and takes a look at every single individual player in every individual play. And for each play, it gives a player a grade between negative 2 and 2 based on how well they did in what they were supposed to do on that play. How well did they do their job in what the play was supposed to happen, and what was supposed to happen? And you may be thinking, well, how, how do we know what was supposed to happen if it doesn't always play out the right way? Actually, it's pretty easy to tell. Before the play is drawn, it's a much harder thing to do. But after it's been run, you can usually tell. You know what routes the wired receivers were actually running. You know what blocking assignments the offensive lineman had. You know what the quarterback was looking to go for on his pass. Maybe not exactly what the reads were, but you know what throw he made and how contested it was after the fact. You know all the decisions being made by everybody on the team. So you can give a pretty accurate ranking of how well, let's say, a quarterback did on a certain play. Every single individual play. Say Lamar Jackson, who has struggled more this season. Every single play, they look at him, and every single play, he gets his negative 2 to 2 number based on how good he did. Brought up into Broken up into increments of half points, and then, as they put it when I read through things, a negative two would be the worst of the worst, like throwing a pick six to end the game and lose it for your team. A two would be the absolute best of the best plays in the history of the NFL, like they brought up David Tyree's catch in the Super Bowl, because they do also bring into effect as well, and this is important to know, the magnitude of the games they're playing in as well, the skill level of the opponents, how big the game is. That's more into pro football focus, as in regular season games around the Big Ten. There's a lot less, I guess, implication as far as the Big Ten championship game goes with everyone else. But anywho, they get an individual rating every time, but then they transfer, transform that rating into a single number for the whole game. So they take all those negative twos and twos, and they put them into whatever machine they have, and it spits out the number between 1 to 100. And here's what's important to note is that this number is not just a simple rating for how good that player was in the game. It's how good they were at what they were supposed to be doing. So if, say, an offensive lineman for the Gophers has an 88 rating and Tanner Morgan has only like a 75, both are really good ratings, but you would suggest, oh, well, the offensive lineman was better than Tanner Morgan was. That's not necessarily true. It's not saying the offensive lineman is better than Tanner Morgan was. It's saying that the offensive lineman did a better job at being an offensive lineman than Tanner Morgan did at being a quarterback. It is not saying how much impact that player had on a team winning or losing the game. It is simply a measure of how well that player did his job. 
with what he was supposed to do, his assignment for every single play, how well did he execute it? Did he do average, a zero? Did he go above and a beyond, a positive number, good? Or did he do poorly, a negative number for each individual play, then put together into a zero to 100 score in a nice bow? Now, I took a long time to explain that, but I think it's important just for everyone to know exactly what these numbers mean, because it wasn't exactly what I thought it meant going into taking a look at all this. But let's look right now at Tanner Morgan. I wanted to start with the quarterback, as I said. Tanner against Iowa on Friday. If you look at his passing numbers, his grades overall, and they have grades for offense overall, and also for things like passing and rushing as a quarterback, or uh, a ball handling as a running back or wide receiver. So for Tanner Morgan, he graded out actually very well against Iowa. 74.7 overall as an offensive player. 71.8 as a quarterback. And just to give you some reference, those are both better than what he had at Illinois when the team put up 41 points, which would suggest that while the team couldn't do anything on offense, Tanner Morgan actually was a pretty good quarterback. Now, how could you say that with him going 48% on a completion percentage and with one touchdown and two interceptions? Well, I'd take a look at his wide receivers. Rashad Bateman and Chris Altman-Bell, arguably the two best wide receivers this team has right now. Rashad Bateman had eight receptions for 111 yards and a touchdown. Altman-Bell was quieter, only three receptions for 24 yards, but it was up from his one reception for five yards against Illinois. And honestly, I would say maybe even his second best performance of the season, statistically at least. But when you take a look at what they did against Illinois compared to what they did against Iowa, it's pretty jaw-dropping. Let's start with Bateman. Now, Bateman had a pretty, really good game against Illinois. 13 catches, 139 yards, and his offensive ratings were insane. 89 and 88. Against Iowa, they were 68 and 67. Still above average. Still a good game, but just not one of the best games he's ever had like it was before. Here's what I want you to look at, though, most importantly. Pro Football Focus also gives a rating for drops. So like how well a receiver did at catching the passes that were thrown his way. Now on Friday against Illinois, or Saturday against Illinois, Rashad Bateman got himself an 80.9. Against Iowa, a 20.6. Rashad Bateman, according to Pro Football Fo Focus, did not have his quarterback's back as far as catching the football and throws that were passed to him. Over to Chris Ottman-Bell, same story. In fact, he had a little bit better of an overall rating against Iowa than Illinois, 53-52. to 52. But in his drops category, he had a 66 against Illinois. Good job catching the football then. Against Iowa, just a 22. According to this website and whatever it is they do, and how they put those numbers together to make this out of 100 thing, they say that both those receivers were absolutely awful when it came to holding on to the football throughout that game. They were not helping out their quarterback, whose overall ratings and passer ratings were all if not average, above average for both in the country and in his own performances individually this season. Tanner Morgan had the best game of his season against Maryland when he scored extremely high because he was extremely efficient and made the right throws. He threw two picks against Iowa, but his overall ratings in this game were extremely high, above average, and nothing unlike what he had done when the team was scoring 40-plus points two weeks ago in a row. 
So it seems like, at least right now, that this team has not really a quarterback problem, but a problem with some sort of communication with the quarterback and wide receiver. I don't know. Pro Football Focus doesn't go into that. I just wanted to read off some of those numbers so someone might have an idea of what it is exactly that is plaguing this team. Because I do trust this insight to an extent. But at the same time, I do question the 16 out of 33 number too. Like how much better would that have gotten if these wide receivers are playing better? That's the answer I want to know. Also, just to uh, take a look over at Mo Ibrahim's numbers, on the season he's rocking an 80 overall as an offensive player, 81 as a runner, and he's been really, really good all year long. One of the best running back numbers in all of the country, really, and the best in the Big Ten, no doubt about it. He's off to a great start. We'll go over a lot more of these things. Maybe some point every week we'll at least take a little bit of a dive into it. This was a little bit of a deeper dive just because it was our first time going in. But maybe at some point in the week, we'll start some little short thing where we can go over a couple of those numbers from Pro Football Focus. It's something cool to have. You've been listening in to Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with you here. I will be back again tomorrow here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. We'll talk to you then. Until next time, row the boat, sky you mock. Go Gophers.